Welcome to the Real Life Weight Loss Podcast, where we cut through the confusion and get down to the truth about what really works for real people when it comes to losing weight, having incredible health, and a body that you love. We believe that losing weight is really about gaining life, doing things you never thought you could, having renewed confidence, and enjoying your body more than ever. I'm your host, Corey Little. Now let's get to it. Hello and welcome back to all of you beautiful, amazing people that choose to tune in and listen to this podcast every week. Today's episode is one that I think you'll enjoy, and not just today's episode, but next week's episode as well. So my original idea was to tackle some weight loss myths, some things that float around in the weight loss world, honestly, some things that a lot of people contact me about. Maybe they have questions, maybe they listen to the podcast and contact me. This might be you, who knows? But they maybe contact me via email and ask a question or on social media, or maybe they stumble upon my website and they ask questions. And there's just a bunch of different ideas and topics out there that people have in the weight loss world that are seem completely legitimate on the surface. And it makes sense. Like I get it. If I were in your shoes, I would feel the same way. I would think the same things. But in reality, it's just a myth. It, it really doesn't have any factual grounding or basis and there's no science behind it. And I'm not talking about like the obvious stuff. I'm not talking about the, you know, diet pills and seven day detoxes and cleanses and drinking apple cider vinegar before you go to bed so you can burn fat while you sleep or that special unique patented extract from the Amazon rainforest that melts fat like butter. Like <laughs> I'm not talking about those. Those are the obvious ones, right? I hope you I hope hope you none of you fall for those. It's okay if you do. I still love you, but I hope you don't fall for those. I'm talking about other weight loss myths that are a little more sly that creep in and can really either make the process of losing weight seem really unattainable or it can make it miserable or it can just sabotage you overall. So, I started planning and prepping for this episode and I was like, "Wait a minute. This needs to be more than one. So we're doing two episodes for this. Today is part one, weight loss myths, part one. I'm going over three weight loss myths and you'll see as I go through, they're all kind of related. They're all kind of intertwined. And then next week I'll be bringing out part two, which will be three more weight loss myths. I can't say that word well. I'm sorry. Myth. Myth. I can say that word, but when I put an S on the end, it messes me up. Weight loss myths. Three more coming next week, so be sure to put it on your calendar or subscribe. Just be sure to subscribe to the podcast and tune in next week as well. Okay, ready? Here we go. So weight loss myths that can either just make weight loss miserable or sabotage you or make you really unhappy or make you crash and burn and fail again and again. Here we go. Number one is the idea of spot reducing with exercise. So if you've ever said or thought or you've heard someone say, you know, hey, like what can I do to tone my arms and make them smaller? Or what, what can I do for my thighs? Like my thighs are really just, they're bigger than I want them to be. Or what about my stomach? What about this belly fat? Like what can I do to get rid of this belly fat? What can I do to tone my arms? These are questions that I've gotten a hundred times, hundreds of times over the years. These are questions that you may have wondered. These are questions you may have asked. And it all comes down to this issue of spot reducing with exercise. And then right along with this is the idea of like trying to, outwork what we eat, like to outwork your spoon, to outrun your fork. And <laughs> my friends, let me just make this clear. 
You can't spot reduce with exercise and you can't overcome a crap, crappy food choices with exercise either. So let's, let's actually, let's take both of these together. Let's take the, these, both of these two ideas. So, so weight loss myth number one actually has two parts, spot reducing with exercise and trying to outwork what we eat. And let's take the second one first. So let's imagine that you had a job making $10 per hour. And you bought a $100,000 car and you reasoned like, oh, you know what? I'll just work overtime to pay for this car. That, that already seems kind of crazy, right? It's like, wait a minute, I'm only making $10 per hour. But that's not really like the equivalent of what we do with it when it comes to exercise and trying to outwork what we eat. It's not just like buying the $100,000 car. We, yes, we do that. One day we buy a $100,000 car. The next day we buy a $2,000 purse. Then that night we buy a new $1,200 iPhone. Then the next day we buy a $900 TV. And then on and on, right? You get the drift. And the whole time we're reasoning and rationalizing like, well, I'll just have to work overtime. It's craziness. And this is exactly what we do with food and exercise as well sometimes, right? And guys, anytime I'm calling you out for something, I'm calling me out for something. I'm not like, I'm not coming down on you. I'm not blasting you. I just don't want you to fall victim to this mindset, right? So, you know, with the example here with the $100,000 car and the $2,000 purse, this is what we do. We do the food equivalent to this. You know, we eat whatever, a you know, a sugar-filled Starbucks coffee drink and a two donuts for breakfast one morning. And we're like, ooh, I'll just need to work out a little bit extra. And then... Later that day, we have pizza for dinner and we're like, oh man, I'll get started on my diet tomorrow and I'll, you know, I'll just do an extra mile run on Saturday. And then the next day we're eating hamburgers at lunch with, you know, because coworkers wanted to go out to eat and we're like, oh man, I'm just going to have to work out a little extra. And it just goes on and on and on. And in reality, we're building (laughs) health debt that we're never going to be able to pay off with exercise. Like I said, it's craziness. But the whole time we're reasoning and rationalizing those food choices, just planning to outwork them. And here's the thing, as much as it stinks, and as much as we not we might not like it, the truth is we cannot outwork what we eat. And let's shift back to the other myth associated here. We can't spot reduce certain areas with certain exercises. It's not how it works, my friends. There is one and only one way to truly spot reduce, and it's called liposuction. (laughs) I talked about this in the previous episode. Now, please understand, I am not recommending liposuction. I'm not saying you need it. I'm not saying you should go get it. Not at all. That's up to you. That's your personal decision. But what I am saying is there is no other proven method to reduce fat on a specific area of your body. There's nothing else other than liposuction that I know of. See, when it comes to nutrition and exercise and even supplements, we can't spot reduce. See, we unfortunately gain weight unevenly due to a host of factors such as our unique hormones and genetics and a bunch of different things. But I mean, we really already know this, right? Like we all have our problem areas, quote unquote problem areas or trouble areas, Some people gain weight more easily on their belly or for others, it's their hips or their thighs or for some, it's their arms, whatever. And marketers, diet marketers, they know this and they want to try to take advantage of your desire to lose fat in your particular problem area. I guarantee if I created a program that was 20 days to tighten and tone your arms 
to get rid of the fat on the back of your arms. It would sell like crazy, but it's, I'm not going to do that because it's not true. Three weeks to smaller thighs, boom, 100 people sign up immediately. <laughs> Three weeks to smaller thighs, only $99. Man, you got tons of people who are going to sign up for that, but it's just not true. Diet marketers know this, and they'll want to prey on this. So they make all kinds of promises with all kinds of crazy solutions. But here's the kicker. We not only gain weight unevenly, we also lose weight unevenly. So these things don't work. I call this the deep end of the pool. So think of a swimming pool, not one of those new, like, oh, we're worried about getting sued swimming pools. <laughs> That's only four feet, like four feet deep from one end to the other, uh, other end, right? And I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about an old school swimming pool that's like three feet deep on one end, and then it gradually progresses to like 10 feet deep at the other end. Are we on the same page? You got what I'm talking about? Can you kind of visualize it? Okay, good. So that swimming pool is just like your body and your body fat stores. And draining that pool is just like losing body fat. It doesn't matter how much you stand over the deep end of the swimming pool and dip out buckets of water, you're not going to reduce the water in the deep end specifically. It's a pool, so you can dip buckets out of the deep end, but the water's coming from the entire pool. To reduce the water in the deep end, you must reduce the water in the pool overall, and that comes from the shallow end as well. It doesn't matter where or how you dip the water from. It's all coming from the same pool, and the shallow end will be lower and eventually completely empty long before the deep end. And your body is just like this. You can't spot reduce fat from your deep end, whether it's your belly or your hips, your thighs or your arms. It just ain't happening. It's not the way it works. But you know what is happening? What can happen? As you lose weight and reduce your overall body fat, your problem area, your trouble area, your deep end of your swimming pool, your proverbial swimming pool, it will also reduce. But it's best to do this with a sound, realistic overall approach instead of reaching for some crazy program that is supposedly specialized and specifically designed for a certain area of your body. Why? Why do I recommend the sound, realistic overall ap approach? Because the fancy belly fat program or thigh toning cream or exercise gadget, it will just make the whole process a lot more complicated than it has to be and it will leave you thinking that there's some special secret to losing fat in a certain area, like there's some special secret to losing fat where you want to lose it. And then your brain can easily slip into the trap of, well, I'm losing some weight, but not enough is really coming from my belly. Oh, so I'm ticked. And then when you should be super excited that you're making progress and losing weight, somehow it all gets twisted and you're disappointed because you've lost six pounds, but your belly doesn't look any flatter or my thighs don't look any smaller. So you get disappointed and you quit. The bottom line is we can't spot reduce with certain exercise or special diets. And we can't outwork what we eat. All of this is just an exhausting, sweaty, dead end. You can work yourself to death, wear yourself out, and have very little to show for it. And you'll probably wind up more confused and disappointed than you were beforehand. But you can avoid this if you'll just kind of let go of the idea and goal of spot reducing 
or making up for food choices with exercise. Okay, that's myth number 1A and 1B. It kind of turned into two there. Next up, weight loss myth number two is this idea of my ideal weight. Man, I just want to get back to my ideal weight. I just want to get down to that, you know, that perfect weight for me. My ideal weight. Ideal according to who? Your doctor? Ideal according to what? Some chart? Ideal according to your past? Like, where do we get these numbers, guys? Where do we get our weight loss goals from? Back in episode 189, I talked about this. Maybe go back and listen um, if you haven't already listened. But one of the things that I talk about in that episode, it's actually just an episode full of questions that I encourage you to ask yourself. And we have to learn to ask better questions because I think maybe Tony Robbins said this first. I'm not sure. But the quality of your life is determined by the quality of the questions you ask. So the quality of your weight loss pursuit, the quality of your weight loss success will be determined by the quality of the questions you ask. So let's just quickly, as we, as we debunk this myth of you having an ideal weight, oh, if I could just get back to 165, oh, if I could just get down to 190, or oh man, if I could get back to 210, whatever. As we debunk this myth, let's explore, let's ask some questions, and I want you to legitimately take time and think about these. Why are you trying to even lose weight in the first place? Like, why are you trying to get back to that number? How much weight do you want to lose? How much weight is that to get you back to 165, to get you back to 210? Why? Why why do you want to lose that weight? And where did you get that number from? Like I said earlier, is it what a doctor told you? Is it what you looked up on the internet for your height and age? Is it what you maybe weighed in college? Or is it what you weighed when you were 25 or 30 or 40 and you, you just want to get back to that number? What do you think that achieving that number, achieving your weight loss goal, what do you think that will bring? More energy? Better health? A certain appearance? And we'll talk about this a lot more in just a little bit, so stay tuned. Or if you're really honest, do you think that achieving this ideal weight, so-called ideal weight, will bring something else? For many of us, even though we don't realize it, we believe that achieving our weight loss goal will bring a certain feeling or certain emotions. When I coach people and they're willing to be super self-honest and peel back the layers and get real, get really real about things, often it's not a number on the scales. That's not it at all. What they really want is confidence. Changing your physical appearance can help with that. Yes, sure. But a big part of confidence, of building confidence, is showing yourself that you can do it. Showing yourself that you have what it takes to be successful. Showing up for yourself. Improving your relationship, not with food, but improving your relationship with yourself. And proving that you can do it. You can be successful because you follow through. Because you're the kind of person who shows up for yourself. Because you have integrity and you're in integrity with yourself. My friends, that is the secret sauce. If you want more confidence, there is no guarantee it comes from hitting 165 or 180 or 210 or 250 or 112 or 135. There is no number that will bring the confidence. 
I fully agree. Yes, I get it. Improving your physical appearance, changing your physical appearance can maybe make you feel more confident. Absolutely. But there's no guarantee with that. The secret sauce, the confidence you want comes from improving your relationship with yourself. So maybe it's time to get rid of this idea of some perfect weight, the ideal weight for me, and begin asking some better questions about why we're chasing that number so desperately. Otherwise, we're constantly stressed and displeased with our body and we're never at peace because we're chasing some specific number and the mythical happiness that number we think that that number will bring. We're killing ourselves with crazy workouts and crazy diets and beating the crap out of ourselves mentally. And before we know it, the only escape, the only solution is to achieve that number. We will forever be trapped in pursuit, stressed and unhappy until we achieve our ideal weight. And the craziest part (laughs) is that I've seen people achieve it. I've seen people force themselves to it and they get there and they're standing on the mountaintop and it should be this moment of exhilaration and celebration and it is so anticlimactic. A lot of times they're disappointed. It's like, wow, okay, I did it. (laughs) And sometimes what follows not long after that is, yeah, but my body still doesn't look how I want it to look. Again, we're going to talk more about that in just a minute. Hold on. <laughs> See, here's the thing. Even if someone achieves that number, if they haven't made that mental shift that I mentioned earlier, they quickly realize that number isn't magical. And sure, it's nice, but it didn't heal all their wounds and it didn't solve all their problems. Guys, it's what we learn And how we change on the journey. I know it sounds cliche, but it is. It's what we learn and how we change on the way, on the route, as we go, that can really make all the difference. But if you just force yourself with crazy diets and crazy workouts to get to some number, then technically, yeah, you achieve your goal, which is fleeting, by the way, because our weight changes all the time, up and down and up and down and up and down. But here's the thing, you might not have achieved your real goal. More confidence, better relationship with yourself, showing up for yourself, showing yourself that you have what it takes and being in integrity with yourself. Maybe you're shaking your head. Maybe that's not your real goal. That's okay. That's fine. You know yourself, but I know for a lot of people I coach, deep down, that's when true life change happens. That's when they build confidence within themselves is when all of these other things come together. Okay, that's weight loss myth number two. Next up, weight loss myth number three, the last one we're covering today, is the myth of the last five or ten pounds. Oh my goodness, if I had a quarter, (laughs) well, inflation's going on right now, maybe I need a dollar. If I had a dollar for every time someone said to me, oh man, Corey, I just, will you help me lose this last ten pounds? Will you help me lose this last five pounds? I just want to lose, you know, this five this five pounds, or I just want to lose 10 more pounds to get rid of this layer of fat that's on my thighs, to get rid of this last bit of fat that's, you know, kind of at my midsection, kind of my little spare tire area, whatever. See, we have this idea that all of that five or 10 pounds that we want to lose will come specifically from our trouble area. (laughs) 
And that's just not how it works. I mean, based off what I explained earlier with the swimming pool, right? We kind of we kind of know that, but yet we have this idea that, man, five more pounds will take care of that fat that I see on my body and I don't like. And in reality, there's a very good chance that very little of that five pounds or 10 pounds will come from that trouble area. That is precisely why it's called a trouble area. <laughs> I can't tell you how many times I've seen people lose that last five or seven or 10 pounds. So technically they achieved their goal and they're so disappointed because their body still doesn't look how they want it to look. The root problem, don't miss this. Maybe write this down. If you, if you identify with this, this might be a good note-taking portion. The root problem is that we equate a number on the scales to a certain physical appearance. If I get to this weight, then I'll look like this. If I can just achieve this weight, then I'll look how I want to look. <laughs> Sorry, wrong answer, not true. At least the majority of the time, it's not true. I'm not saying it's never true, but the majority of the time, this doesn't work out how we think it will. But Corey, here's the thing. Here's, it's time for the but Corey portion of the podcast. But Corey, when I was at that weight, back, back when I was at that weight previously, man, I really liked how I looked. That's why I want to get back to that weight. Okay, I hear you. I feel you. I do. How long ago was that? What? When, <laughs> when you were 27? Ooh, wait, 10 years ago? Guys, it doesn't matter. Like, typically, it's years ago when we were at that weight. It's not like three, you know, two months ago or three, three weeks ago when we were at that weight. It's years ago. It's five years, 10 years, three years ago, or back when I was in college or back when I was 27 years old. You are not the same person now. Your body is not the same now. Getting back to that number at 43 years old does not mean you will look the same as you did when you were 27 or 33 or even 40, which would have just been like three years ago, right? Which is relatively close time-wise. And here's the thing. Please don't misunderstand. I'm not saying that, that you're not beautiful and amazing and you can't look amazing at 43 or 53 or 65 or whatever. No, no, no. Beauty comes at all ages. Absolutely. But what I want you to do is to escape from this idea that, you know, getting rid of this last 10 pounds in your mind, the quote unquote, the last 10 pounds and getting back to that number, that ideal weight. Like I said, these all blend together, getting back to that ideal weight that you were at when you were 27 years old or 33 years old. I want you to escape from that ball and chain that you're dragging around because your body's not the same now as it was then. And that's okay. It's a beautiful thing. Getting older is a badge of honor and our bodies change and it's okay. It's a beautiful thing. But again, when it comes to this myth of the last five or 10 pounds, the root problem is that we equate a number on the scale to a certain physical appearance. And that's just not how it works. If this is you, I strongly encourage you to start thinking of things a little differently. Start by answering this question. This could be a big game changer for a lot of you. Are you chasing a number on the scales? Or are you really chasing a certain physical appearance? Think about it. How are we ever supposed to really achieve our goal if we're unknowingly chasing the wrong goal? <laughs> if what you really want is a certain physical appearance and you think that 150, weighing 150 will bring it, or weighing 120, or weighing 220, whatever, if you think that number will bring that physical appearance, 
then you're chasing the wrong goal. You need to pursue a physical appearance and not pursue a number on the scales. I speak uh, with a little bit of certainty on this topic because, as many of you know, I was a competitive bodybuilder for 10 years. I was very blessed. I had a great career. I'm so thankful. But here's the thing with bodybuilding. None of the judges, so in case if some of you aren't familiar with the sport of bodybuilding, there are they different organizations break it up either by height. So there are either height classes or weight classes. And beyond that, no one cares how much you weigh. So yeah, you maybe weigh in just so that you're put into a certain class, but then you stand on stage and there is a panel of judges and they look and they evaluate your physique. I often joke that bodybuilding is like a beauty contest from the neck down. They don't really care what your face looks like. They're just, they're just looking at your body and they assess your body and assess your physique, the symmetry, the conditioning, the leanness. There's all these different things and they assess you and give you scores. Never once does a judge say, excuse me, I'd like to ask competitor number 12 how much they weigh. No, they don't care how much you weigh because they're judging you purely on physical appearance. Sounds like an incredibly shallow sport, doesn't it? <laughs> but it is what it is. Anyways, the point is this. When I would begin my really intense preparation for a bodybuilding contest, we call this the pre-contest phase of preparation. When I would enter into pre-contest, I basically would stop weighing myself because it didn't matter how much I weighed. I was chasing a certain appearance. I might touch base with the scales every now and then to make sure I wasn't losing weight too fast. But if my weight didn't change much, I wasn't really that worried. As long as I, I would do evaluation pictures, um, I would unfortunately use the mirror because your brain can really mess with you in the mirror, but I would use evaluation pictures. I would have other friends who are competitors uh, you know, help, help me to gauge my progress as I went along. I would do consistent body fat testing because that was a big part of the process of reducing my body fat. And that was what I used because my goal was appearance related, not weight related. And as I said, no judge ever asked what I weighed. Bodybuilding is a pure appearance sport. Weight only matters in what class you're in and what, are you a middleweight or a heavyweight or a lightweight? And sure, if you need to really squeeze into one of those, you have to pay more attention to your weight. But your actual performance, how you are judged, is based purely on your appearance. And here's the thing. The reality is, for me, for you, for all of us, if we're chasing an appearance goal, your arms just might not ever look exactly like you want. Your thighs may never have exactly the shape that you see on Instagram and you really love. Your tummy, your stomach, your belly, whatever you want to call it, it may have a little layer of fat that is so stubborn that you have to borderline starve yourself to death to get rid of it. And trust me, this is no fun. <laughs> I've saw this again and again when I competed in bodybuilding. For me, it was my shoulders and calves. I never had great width on my shoulders. Or, or really great calf development. I had a dear friend from the gym who had completely different genetics from me, completely different background. He was, um, his father was Asian, his mother was white, and his calves were incredible. And he never really worked them. He never did much of anything. It was just the, the genetics he had. And then there was another guy at the gym who was in the military, and he had these huge, broad shoulders. His, his structure was just much broader than mine. There was nothing I could do to achieve one guy's calves or another guy's shoulders. 
I've worked with clients before. One one lady who is an incredible competitor. She's placed first or second place in every contest she's done, and she turned pro. But her abs would never quite come through like she wanted them to. She always had this little layer of fat that was really stubborn. And then the abs underneath, that's a genetic component as well as to how they present. I had another competitor who he always had a little layer of fat on certain areas of his body. And we would work and work and work to try to get rid of it. And it was so challenging. So, are you chasing an appearance? And if so, there's a chance, and I'm not saying you need to give up your goals or you shouldn't pursue what you want out of life or out of your body. No, 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 not at all. But there's a chance that your arms might not look exactly the way you want or your thighs or your stomach or tummy or belly or hips or whatever. We're all made differently and we're all beautiful in our own ways, guys. I'm incredibly pale. I will never be tan, (laughs) no matter how hard I try. And the more I try, I'm probably just going to give myself skin cancer. So I might just need to make peace with that. Fortunately, I, I think I have. So let's wrap this up. Let's bring it all together. My recommendations based off of what I shared today. Number one, maybe it's time to let go of the idea of spot reducing and embrace that we all have trouble areas. And that's okay. I don't even like that phrase, trouble area, but you know what I'm talking about. We all have trouble areas, and those areas will respond to exercise and food changes. Yes, they will respond, but they typically respond differently than other areas of our body. In other words, they usually don't respond how we like, (laughs) but that's just part of being human, and it's okay, and we can't outwork what we eat, and that's okay too. That's number one. We just need to realize that and embrace that. It will give you some freedom, I promise. Number two, second recommendation based off of the three myths that I shared today. Number two, maybe set your ideal weight aside and explore a little bit beyond that. Try to figure out what you're really after and what will produce the outcome, the emotional state, the feelings that you really want. Just ask yourself, rewind this episode and ask yourself some of those questions. Why, why, did I, why am I even chasing this number? Where did I get this idea of this being my ideal weight from anyway? That's number two. Lastly, recommendation number three. Determine if it's a number on the scale that you want or if it's really a certain physical appearance and you just think, you believe that the number will also bring that physical appearance. It might be time to change your goal, my friend. And along with that, coming from years and years of experience in bodybuilding and years of experience coaching people, I can pretty much promise, look, don't give up on your goals. Don't stop working out. (laughs) You are beautiful and amazing. But I can pretty much promise you'll have a lot more peace if you just accept that, hey, my arms and my thighs and my stomach or hips or this or that, that's just a little different than what I might see from other people at the gym, or it's just a little different from what I might see online, which is probably also airbrushed or graphically enhanced or whatever you want to call it. It's just a little different and that's okay. I want to be the best me that I can be. I just want to improve my body, feel great, be healthy and improve my relationship with myself and build confidence in myself. And if those, if you can somehow adopt those as your goals, Oh buddy, then I think you're on the right path. And I think you're going to be a lot happier and have a lot more enjoyment of the process. So that's it, guys. Much love. I'm wrapping up. This episode's going longer than I wanted it to. Be sure to tune in next week for three more weight loss myths. 
think they'll be eye-opening. I think they'll be helpful. And in the meantime, don't forget that you are so much more than a number and losing weight is really about gaining life. And you can absolutely do it even if you don't think you can. I believe in you. Keep coming back. I'll keep working on you. Take care, friends. God bless. Bye-bye.